Dear Lord God, we are grateful for your goodness to us. We'd ask that our hearts would be viewing the right things at the right level of uh, your will, that we would understand your universe with its importance, not our own. In your son's name, amen. Okay, which means they can see me online, but all it sounds like is nonsense coming at them. Can you imagine? Well, we're finishing up 2 Timothy today, and it was one of those, of course, accidental series that you, you go through because you started in the first chapter, and the next Sunday it was easy to plan the second chapter. We're in 2 Timothy, end of chapter 3. We're starting with verse 10. Now, I want to remind you of something that we were stressing earlier in the book, which was um, uh, the second week we were in it, where St. Paul says to Timothy, uh, God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Identity. Where is our identity and who knows us? It's not a matter whether the church knows us. It's not a matter of whether or not we're on a list someplace or that we agreed with certain things. We, it's a matter of whether the Lord knows you and whether or not that knowledge of you has brought you to depart from iniquity. You are no longer, you know, he who does right is righteous. You know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error by the the holiness of the person's life. Now, I've mentioned that because um, the uh, passage we're starting has been through this book where it makes comments about improving Timothy's life. You know, don't be earthenware, be someone more valuable for the Lord's work because there are bad people out there, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates. And so he's, he's throwing various things at, at Timothy in list form. List form where, as I mentioned last week, it'd be good for you to have definitions of those words. You don't just read through a list like proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates, Fierce, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. I love that. Swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding the form of religion but denying the power. You have to have definitions. Paul did not stop and define the words. He just used the words. Timothy knew what he was about. We're 2,000 years down the pike reading the Greek letter to a friend over his shoulder and not sure what he meant, but you're in the ballpark because the translators are going to give you a word in English. They're going to give you a word in English that is uh, equivalent. And you're going to chase it down in your Webster's Dictionary or your Oxford English Dictionary, and you will uh, come up with a meaning because you need to know what the apostle was saying. Now he continues that here at the end of chapter 3 going through chapter 4 of essentially list making. 
and list-making that is, uh, well, important for us to look at this morning. The, re the reason, no matter what you say today, it's the 8th of November, 2020. Um, at least was trying out for an apocalypse. I mean, this year has just been. And we just had an election a few days ago, less than a week, where a lot of us, depending on where you are politically, um, felt it felt that the republic was over, or the new socialist utopia was nigh. I don't know what you are, but. We think a lot about politics. And I wanted to remind you, and not because I, wanted to, I don't want to talk about the election. This is not about the election, because our Christianity is rooted in something that is not waiting for elections. It doesn't, it's not the future of Jesus Christ for the world is not waiting for the right series of elections to happen, where the right nations finally do the right things. Now, you can care about those things, and I think there are right answers. But our God and Christ have won. They won 2,000 years ago on the cross and in the resurrection. We sometimes forget as Christians in America that this is the kingdom of God, not the republic of God. Okay? You know what's different about a republic and a kingdom? Well, kings. And if the king who made the kingdom of God, and Jesus Christ said, and John the Baptist said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It has come. I don't have anything to do with it. Nothing I can do will make the kingdom of God more or less. It is all in the king. We sometimes forget because we so value in the war of, no pun intended, in the, in the war of competing political ideas. And people like the way the founding fathers of the United States created a constitution by which we live. It has benefited us in a big way. Others say, you know, eh, kings. Eh. And but kings are when they're bad, they're really bad. And we sometimes start to make our religion one of what we do for the nation as Christians secondarily, start to run the kingdom of God, just the Christian realm, as if it were another republic, by which we know what's true because we've got enough votes that my theology, which is, by the way, the correct theology, and the tragedy of this correct theology is there may be five people here this morning who have even considered it, me one of them, well, how can I win this battle of, 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 the, of, of the kingdom of God? I don't have the votes. So what happens when you don't have the votes? That's one of the things that's on the minds of some people today. You do anything to get them because you think it's the votes. Now you've observed my teaching, verse 10. My conduct... My aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, 
my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings, what befell me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceivers and deceived. Now what I'm watching you is, is just like he listed all the qualities of the lovers of self in the early part of the chapter, he's now telling Timothy to look at him. What Paul was to Timothy. You have observed. If nothing else, for the Christians to quit building some other, you know, we're not you know, Mormons who would build a completely different religion under the name of Jesus, but you're Christians who hold the right doctrine, but build a different framework for God's no longer kingdom, but democratic oversight of the world, and we're going to you know, make this all Christian by this effort. If we don't have the right view of our king having conquered in Christ on the cross and doesn't need your vote, doesn't need your ministry's success, doesn't need that your theology is picked up by other people, because Christ is king and it doesn't need more votes at all. It's will to power. He's got it all. The omnipotence of God expressed in the work of Jesus Christ, defeating death, that was sufficient. All rule and authority. He triumphed over. It was made by him. Those rules and authorities were made by him and for him. He, was it in Ephesians, I think it is? He triumphed over. Let's see if I can find it <laughs> no, it wasn't Ephesians. Maybe it's Colossians. Let's look. He disarmed. This is Colossians 2. He disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them triumphing over them in him. That's the work of the Christ, of the cross. All that ruled all nations, the principalities and powers. This is something that we have to turn our mind to because we need to, if we're working in the kingdom, we need to be building the kingdom or living in the kingdom that has been provided for us, measuring it correctly. Paul says, now look at me, Timothy. Observe me in these categories. Now these are not virtues. They are categories of virtue. My teaching, well, teaching, teach anything. I could teach communism. It's the category of his teaching. You have observed my teaching. My conduct, well, conduct is a, just another category. What kind of conduct? What did he teach? What conduct, what kind of application of his belief was there? 
If you don't have, you know, I like yardsticks, like, I like metal yardsticks. Um, it's amazing how reassured you are that they, you know, there's a constant in the universe called an inch. And somewhere, probably in the Bureau of Weights and Measures in Washington, D.C., they have the ultimate inch by which all inches are measured. And because we're not French, it's an inch. Not a centimeter, not a meter, it's a yard. Because kings make yards between the tip of their finger and their nose, something like that. A foot, the way God intended. Now we like the standard. We want to know what the standard is because Paul has said to Timothy, look at me and measure me. Are you measuring the right thing? Do you think this is all about something else? Do you think it's about how many votes we get? And when we have to get votes, do we start lying about the votes? Do we start lowering the quality or the caliber of the, you know, did you walk the aisle? Are you saved? Is that saving? We, we start to, well, if we don't, if we don't get the votes, we've got to ramp up the propaganda. We've got to start talking like tough guys run the world. We're the, we're the Christian happening apologetics guys that... Uh, can win every argument. We're the Christian version of Ben Shapiro. I hope none of you become the Christian version of Ben Shapiro. I just wish Ben Shapiro would become a Christian. When you think it is a kingdom that needs to win an election, that truth isn't true enough until more people vote for it, we've got a problem. We follow a king who won the battle. We're walking around in his kingdom. You are his kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus Christ said to the disciples in Luke. The kingdom of God is within you. This kingdom we have, we belong to, and it's being measured this way. What's the teaching about? What's the application? What's the conduct? What is your aim? This is my aim in life. What am I, what am I about? Faith, patience, love, steadfastness, persecutions, and suffering. All of those are categories. All of them you need definitions for. All of them you've got to say when you look at the people you are learning from, your friends, the teachers that are more broad in the nation, in the church, whatever it is, you've got to hold them up a metal yardstick that the Lord gave you, that went through, you went through and said, what, is, what do I mean and does God mean by love? What does I mean and what does God mean by faith? Because Paul asked me to look at him regarding his faith, regarding his love. Because this world, verse 13, while evil men and imposters, because an awful lot of people, have found that it's more exciting to run a republic of Christianity than a kingdom of Christ. Because then they'll have their own systems. It's a matter of how do you get more votes. It's a matter of how we get more people attending. 
and they will be evil, and they will be impostors, and it will be the deceivers and the deceived going from bad to worse. And you know that perfectly well. You're old enough to have looked at the church and Christendom down through 20 centuries and go, what a, what a steaming pile. But you look at some people, you look at, if nothing else, Jesus Christ, if nothing else, the apostles, the people that were told, look at it this way, value this. But as for you, verse 14, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Got it? This is a real simple thing. Step over into the kingdom where Christ, his apostles to whom he gave the authority, and the life they described is what you should be looking for learning about. So you should, what did you learn and what did you firmly believe? Now, knowing from whom you learned it. Because that list, it says, observe my life. That's from whom you learned it. Just the fact that, that mentioned the Iconium, Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. That, that's, that phase is when Timothy is picked up into the faith. The first missionary journey, Paul goes up through central uh, Turkey, now Turkey, and uh, Antioch of Pisidia is one of the first stops, and then uh, Iconium and Lystra, and, and Timothy's from Lystra. When Paul comes back on the second missionary journey, Timothy has become a Christian and raised in that few years since the first missionary journey, Paul picks him up there. So when he says Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, it's, it's very personal. You were watching all this go down. The persecutions, the teaching, how we conducted ourselves. And that was what you learned and firmly believed, and we are the ones you learned it from. Do you know you learned it from the apostles? It, it, the question this morning... <coughs> It's <clears throat> not whether uh, Timothy followed Paul's advice on this, it's whether we are going to follow, follow Paul's advice. And how is this going to be you know, used by us? Do you listen? Do you watch as much as you can what the apostles taught? Do you study what the apostles did as much as we can, to 20 centuries later? The book of Acts is there. How did the apostles function? As much as we can know. What did they say? As much as we can know. Because it asks them to look at the teaching, look at the conduct, look at their aim in life. This list is something you need to use. You need to have the definitions clear. It's the quality, it's not whether it's the, th whether it's the thing, it's what is the thing that you're looking at. What is the quality of it? And you have another, another aspect to this. Not only is this an invitation for you to become extra critical of your pastors or your teachers or your Bible study leaders or the books you read. It's the same list you are living to. It's the list that you want to go home and say, honey, to the spouse, have you observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim? 
my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Have you, have you noticed that in me? What would you, how would you describe that, honey? Whether it's your husband, whether it's your wife, whether it's your kids looking at you. Well, yeah, Dad. Boy, most patient man on earth. Are we what the kingdom of God is, has for citizens? Because our citizenship in the kingdom is to make us the emblem or the engine of love that God brings his kingdom to man. It's not just that God creates a kingdom and so be it, but because he is loving, his kingdom is based on love, and he is sending you out to emblem that peace and that love to everybody else. Not because we need their vote. That way, if you need their vote, you start promising them things. If you need their vote, you want to give away too much of the store. Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. You are announcing him and that love in you, that affected you. And if someone doesn't want Jesus Christ, they don't want Jesus Christ. But how you are is what the kingdom says in this world. And if you're saying something else, if you've designed a Christianity that says, no, we're kind of a more, you know, machismo-oriented, or we are more... Uh, tolerant or diverse or whatever kind of theme you want to do is the theme you have the work of Jesus Christ or is it the theme that your current hip pastor is into is it the theme that that the more uh, uh, masculine um, uh, American way of being is you're into it are you into what Christ if Christ told you to love you had better love because this is a kingdom doesn't need your vote either. Your sorry little rear end can be tossed into the lake of fire, which is the second death, and, and nobody bothered. Nobody concerned. Nobody losing any joy. It's a great section in The Great Divorce where Lewis is talking to MacDonald about how could anybody in heaven rejoice when any soul is in hell. And uh, we realize that the people in hell, when they choose it, they also want to, what is it, um, leverage you to not have any, they're not going to have any joy and they don't want you to have any joy either. But joy that we have in the kingdom of God is just a, quite a bit more than the fate of some sorry, self-absorbed American who decided to go to hell, decided to do it a different way. But our life is a kingdom where we have a king and a kingdom where we have standards, a kingdom where we measure each other's lives. We hold each other up to live in a way commensurate with our salvation. And he encourages Timothy, you know what you believe, what you firmly believe, what it was, how much it was, and from whom you learned it. What was the nature of your collection of this thing called Christianity? Because you weren't born with Christianity. You've got to pick it up someplace. You can't believe unless you hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the preaching of Christ. You heard it. Who did you hear it from? Did you ever get to that point where 
You heard it from your parents, and then you watched when you were like 15, as your parents' hypocrisy became evident to you, and you realized they don't believe it that much. Who did you hear it from? Timothy had a Christian parent, mother and Christian grandmother. And how from childhood, verse 15, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you to, for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is one of these famous verses. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you know what you're supposed to be looking at? And how you're supposed to be looking at it. Initially, it was the preaching of the gospel that Timothy believed and was saved. And he had someone like Paul that he could look at and said, that's who, from whom I learned it. And his grandmother and his mother. And they used the scriptures. Right? And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Are you? Acquainted with the sacred writings. Are you someone for whom it doesn't take long, it doesn't take long reading Shakespeare. Okay? Shakespeare is pretty good for you in terms of your English and in terms of, and pretty soon, after about, you say, well, twice, maybe through some of the famous plays, you start quoting Macbeth or Hamlet, using, because the phrasing is so good. I've read, uh, we were going through All Hallows' Eve. I was in a conversation with someone the other day, and a quote sprang to my mind out of what we just read in the reading, and so I looked it up and read it aloud. Well, I've read All Hallows' Eve, I don't know, maybe four or five times. That's not very many. And already, sections of it are part of my being. How's it going with the scriptures? Because all scriptures are inspired by God and they're profitable. They're part of where you are resting as the citizen of the kingdom. If you want to be measuring things correctly, know who you're looking at, who are your examples of the faith, and what it's rooted on, claim-wise. What are the propositions? What is the revelation? The life of the believer, the life of the teacher, the life of the pastor, the life of the book you're the author of the book you're reading, matters because we live in Christianity by example. Because then it tells you, so examine, tells the saints, examine the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. It tells elders not to be domineering over others, but setting an example. We're, we're living by this read off of each other, and we have to value not the success of numbers, but the success of righteousness. So it better be in the scriptures. Because that's where these things are. I charge you, chapter 4, verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So it's sort of an oath there. I swear on my mother's grave... I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. These are the things that matter most to the Christian. Our Christ, our God, his kingdom, his appearing. 
So what's his appearing? It's coming. So much of our God has been because, his love has been because he faced us and came to us. You love when you face something. He appeared. He's charging Timothy to preach the word on the base of that, you might say, that claim of authority. Preach the word, be urgent in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. For the time is coming, verse 3, when people will not endure the sound teaching. And having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. There's nothing you can do to stop it. It will happen. It happened to the apostles. It happened to people around the apostles. The apostles were, you know, I don't know, smarter than Evan. Godlier. And they couldn't control the presence of the deceivers and the deceived. People who are saying things to get votes. That's what an itching ear is. They will want to go to the thing that they enjoy being with. Now just imagine that I was trim and had an English accent and was 20 years younger. Just imagine a winsome smile, maybe Tom Selleck dimples. church would grow because it'd be what people would like. English accent especially. I could listen to that man all day. We were talking about actors last night in the library and people were commenting about Matthew McConaughey who I hear is a believer but how people just listen to his voice. The Texan, right? Just listen to his voice. Nothing like a handsome man talking. You say, Evan, you're talking. It's not handsome enough. What do, you, what, what do we need to do? What are we trying to build? What, is this the republic of Jesus Christ or the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Our king has already come. We're only being, we're going to be faithful. You're not going to change this. They'll wander into myths. As for you, Always be steady. They didn't ask you to fix it. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do what you're called to do for your king. As a kingdom, by his standards, with his yardstick, held up to your life so that when you claim, yeah, I think I'm loving enough, and people in the back going, no, you're not. We have observed your teaching. We have observed what nonsense you say. We've observed what nonsense, your conduct. This is the end of Paul's ministry. Verse 6 says, For I'm already on the point of being sacrificed. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, when I talk about measuring, this whole section, from the time he says... We've been looking at things. The Lord knows those are his own. That anyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. 
We know what the state of the world is currently. Have you looked at who I am? Timothy, look at who I am. I am to be judged by that, those definitions, those goods that the kingdom is supposed to bring to you. And you, Timothy, ought to be judged by the same list. You ought to be going forward with your, your mind on the gospel, your mind on the goodness. Paul was just fine with looking at himself and going, you know, sitting here in prison in Rome, I think I've done just fine. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's what you want to be able to say because all of this is measuring whether you have been a citizen of the kingdom as you ought to have been. You were called out by his gospel into that kingdom. Now, I think people in the kingdom go off and live in the republic and call it the republic of Jesus Christ and try to have growing ministries because in their mind, unless they get more votes, they're not right. Paul is in prison and as he measures the world around him, and he's asking to be measured, nothing's worked. But he knows he's fought the good fight, kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And this is in red, the only thing in red. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. This is about, in the measurement of your life and what you're about, you being content that you will stand in the kingdom at that day, blessed by the king. If you've loved his appearing, if you've loved him, if you've been measured by his measure, not whether or not you got people to follow you because you said things they wanted to hear. Myths or excitements, deceivers and deceived, imposters that we constantly get caught by. We just went through an election where two non-believers were running against each other trying to convince everybody that they were you know, not what they actually were. We're just silly in our pursuit for these other things. I don't, again, I don't mind having elections. I think those are fine. and Laws are passed that way. So you want to do a good job. But we as Christians are about something else. We as Christians. Have you loved his appearing? Are you standing with Paul as he's, this again, dictating this to a, a scribe in jail in Rome to send to Ephesus for Timothy? So this is where I'm at. This is what's happening. Measure all this. Do your best to come to me soon. Now the next portion, portion that people skip over because it's the end of the book and he's talked a lot of personal stuff. Realize that he just told Timothy to make a general measure, first of him particularly, and that he measured himself and he wants Timothy to measure himself and Timothy will be measured. Do your best to come to me soon. Then he starts to measure his friends. For Demas... In love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Man, how'd you like to be Demas? Bible history. I got mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, but you're Demas. You don't name any kid Judas or Adolf. You don't name him Demas. Because he deserted Paul in love with this present world. 
Probably just didn't want to die. Paul's about to die. Yeah, Paul, uh, my mom, she's, you know, been wanting me to come see her in Thessalonica. And, you know, you know how things are, moms. And off Demas goes. Just a little bit too easy an excuse. But Paul measures him. Not horrifically, just he's deserted me because he's in love with this world. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful in serving me. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When I come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will requite him for his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he has strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one took my part. All deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Now, you notice the number of things. He's making these assessments. Someone, he and Timothy know these people. We don't have familiarity with most of them, but some of them are mentioned in other places, like in Acts and such. But, but uh, uh, it's yes, no, grace, some grace. Mark, he had this real fight with Barnabas over Mark because Mark had deserted him on an earlier journey. But now, the, the, you might say the grace that is of Paul, he thinks Mark is a very great asset to him and asks him to be sent to him. Those who did not take Paul's part in the trial, he wants grace for them. May it not be charged against them. We know that when we assess the world by God's standard, we're also, you might say, living in that judgment the way God lives in the judgment, which is forgiving, which is gracious, ready, ready to forgive. But it doesn't, you know, this guy, Alexander the coppersmith, obviously was an enemy of the gospel. Paul doesn't mind mentioning him. Yeah, he hates God. Watch out for him. He's not, he's not good for anybody. We don't, when we love people, when we measure the world, we, we don't have to change our opinions to measure good things. We are not, you know, all your girlfriends looking at your new picture of your new hairstyle on Facebook and having to say, you know, the polite thing that you are, what is the word beautiful inside and out? But let's all be frank, folks, because I'm, I'm an honest man. You're not. You're not. That's just, you know, some of you better looking than others, but, you know, quit this nonsense. Let's measure the way God says we are to be measured. Are we loving? Are we righteous? Are we faithful? Are we steadfast? Become this kind of beauty. Verse 17, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength to proclaim the message fully that all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila in the household of Onesphorus. Aratus remained at Corinth. Trophimus, I left ill at Miletus. Those are all people that are mentioned in other places. Trophimus was the reason he got into trouble at the temple because they thought he was a Greek going into the Holy of Holies, or not the, 
the Jewish section, Trophimus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens, an unfortunate name, and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Remember what you're trying to live in. Remember what you were called to. Remember what the measure is. Remember that it is his kingdom and that you don't get the privilege of changing the measure to measure you more with more credits because you've got more money, smarts, looks, uh, apologetic strength, you know, whatever it is that's being featured nowadays in the cool kids club, Christianity. Um, are you what the Lord expects of you? Have you done what a father, what a husband, what a wife, what a Christian would do for one another? Could you give yourself up to a, what are they called on TV, intervention? Have you ever had people just give me in free, maybe anonymously, to describe you? I've had that happen. It's not pleasant. We need to find out. We need to measure. We need to offer ourselves up. This is God's kingdom. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are very grateful for your son who came to us and died for us and ascended into glory. We'd ask that we would be faithful to the citizenship he has called us to, that we would want to be measured as whether or not we are the grace-obeying, faith-obeying believers of his, of his goodness. We'd ask that you would help us offer our change to others, that we would be presenting the love you have for this world to the world in the way we behave. Thank you for Timothy, Lord. Greet him for us in your son's name. Amen.